As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 8, as we jump back into our series in Genesis, uh, actually this is a sermon I was going to preach a couple of weeks ago before I got sick, so I've been excited about this sermon for a few weeks. Again, it's just so great being with you all. Is there any feeling that's worse? Especially for a child of feeling like you've been forgotten. Do you know the feeling? Do you remember the feeling? I mean, for some of you, it might be a little uh, uh, easier to look back on, but maybe that feeling like you're like in Walmart and all of a sudden you look around and you realize, uh oh, mom or dad is not there. Or maybe it came from that time where, you know, you're in a big crowded store and you grab on as a kid somebody's leg and you look up and say, oh, no, you're not my mom or dad. You know that feeling? Have you ever been there? That, that feeling that you were forgotten? I mean, what happens close after that is like panic. Don't forget me. Could your mom and dad ever really forget you? Have you ever felt that way about God? Have you ever felt forgotten by God? I mean, maybe just some circumstances in life or something that's happened that you're just like, hello, God. Did you leave the building? I mean, do you know what's really happening? God, hello. Where are you? Have you forgotten? There's many things that I love about God's word, but one of the things I love the most about God's word, it's just brutally honest. And I'm so grateful that even in God's word, in in Psalm 13, the psalmist writes, how long will you forget me, O Lord? Were you gonna forget me forever? Don't you love the reality that we have a God who is so loving and gracious that he allows us even to question, are you forgotten me? I I could look in your faces. There's, There's some of you right now that might be saying, how long? Are you going to forget me forever? I wonder if that's a feeling that Noah had. I mean, can you imagine being Noah and his family riding on the waters of God's wrath? Everything in God's creation has been wiped out and you're just pleading with God. God, don't forget me. I mean, God, don't forget me. I mean, here I am. I'm I'm kind of adrift here. I mean, I'm just kind of rudderless going wherever you want me to go. God, don't forget me atop of these floodwaters. There's such good news. Listen, if that's where you are, that's where you've been, and I know that's probably where you someday will be, there is such good news. God does not forget his people. God doesn't forget us. That is true. I know at times it feels that way. It felt that way for the psalmist, for him to pen those holy words. But the reality is in Christ Jesus, listen, and maybe this is all you need to hear this morning. God does not forget his people. But there's even more than that. God doesn't forget his promises. I mean, amazing, this gracious God, he, he binds himself to us. I mean, he, he enters into a relationship with us and he, and he grabs a hold of us. and He says, I'm never going to let you go. And more than that, these audacious, crazy, life-giving promises that are, I'm uttering, I'll never forget. My promises I will keep. I mean, all around Noah was the waters of God's wrath. What a great 
remembrance. You know that Loa was certainly not on a luxury cruise. I mean, the reality is uh, any picture you have that was a pretty picture of Noah is not the reality. Uh, Noah was on God's life raft. I mean, he was on a smelly boat with a bunch of animals completely adrift. And the only hope he had was God's life raft and the knowing that God wouldn't forget him. Let's, let's give a quick recap as we jump read back into uh, Genesis. I mean, we're only in chapter 8, but so much has happened. As we've looked at this story, the true story of a God who is and a God who loves, here's what we've learned. That God created everything. We know that God created everything out of nothing. It's amazing. He spoke and it came into existence. But we learned why God created everything. God created, listen, God created the heavens and the earth to display his glory. It's like his ultimate trophy case so that we can all gaze on a God who is and marvel at who he is and what he's done. He's created all things to be filled with his glory, but there's more. Of all the things he's created, he created us very specially in his image. Unlike anything else in creation, we reflect who God is. We were created to know and love God and walk with him. That's really good news. God creates in such a beautiful way. He brings order in such an amazing way that he creates a place called paradise for God and man to dwell together because that's in God's heart for us to be with him, to walk with him, to know and love him and to be known and loved by him. But we messed it up. I mean, Adam and Eve, uh, our, our federal heads, are those who represented us perfectly, they, they rebelled against God. And even God says, if you sin, you're going to die, you're going to lose all this. Yet they rebelled, and paradise was lost. And we were driven out of God's presence, and, and everything was broken. But God is so gracious that even in the midst of our brokenness, he makes a promise that he's going to make all things new, that there's a seed to come to make all things new and to give us hope. Even the worst day, God says, I'm not giving up. Isn't that good news? And Adam and Eve sin, it's just like, it's, it's born fruit all over creation. Everything because of that one sin has, has, has been affected. As a matter of fact, creation itself seems to be imploding There seems to be a a reverse of creation. Remember God separating light and darkness and bringing beauty into the void and order in the chaos. And now sin has gotten so corrupt over the face of the earth that it's like creation itself is collapsing, literally, according to Genesis. This is what happens with the flood. We said it this way a couple weeks ago. It's like, it's like God who says, I want to start over. He takes the ultimate etch-a-sketch and he shakes it and says, we're going to do a do-over here. I'm not going to give up on my promises. I'm not going to give up on my people. I'm not going to give up on my seed. But do-over, thus the flood, and enter Noah. Noah's got an interesting title, righteous man. He's righteous in God's eyes because of faith in God and his promises. And that's where we find ourselves, Noah, in the waters of the flood. There's three things that we're going to look at specifically today. You want to follow on your bulletin. Here they are. God remembered Noah, and he remembers you. It's important. There's more to that than meets the eye. God blessed Noah, and he desires to bless you. And there's more there than meets the eye. And God made peace with Noah. And amazingly, God makes peace with us. So let's pick up this story. We're going to read Genesis 8, 
uh, the first five verses in eight, and then we're going to skip to verse 20 and read that all the way through chapter nine, verse 17. It's a lot of reading and it's an ancient story. I bet most of you've heard this story in one way or another, but we're going to look at this and ask God to really speak to us because no matter who you are, if it's the first time hearing or heard it all my life, like Dr. K, this is a living word, living and active. You are here by design to hear from God through this story. So let's ask him to come and speak. It'll also be, uh, the words should be on the screen and in your bulletin as well. Genesis 8, verse 1. But God, he remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. The rain from the heavens were, was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters abated. You see that the chaos has come back together. The waters, it signified chaos. They're being abated and closed. God's wrath is subsiding. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. And there's some really cool, important things about a, a raven and a dove. That, but we're going to skip to uh, Noah being released out of the ark in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. You know what we ought to just marvel at there is this. Man's heart hasn't changed. The flood has come. But how is our heart? Boy, we're still inclined to evil from our youth. While the earth remains, in verse 22, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they shall not cease these wonderful seasons. And 9-1, not only did God remember Noah, but God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth. And upon every bird of the heaven, upon everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish of the seas, into your hand they are delivered. Doesn't this sound a lot like Genesis 1 and 2 and what Adam and Eve were tasked with? Multiply. But look at the difference. Now creation is in dread and fear of them. Sin has come, but God's plan continues. Uh, He says in verse 3, Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and I'll give you the green plants. I will give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. For every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man uh, shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his image. We see, even though man is sinful, we still have the glorious image of God. Verse 7. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly upon the earth and multiply in it. 
Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed, very important for us, or your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth and God said this is the sign of the covenant I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all generations I have set my bow or my rainbow my bow in the cloud in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth when I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it. And I'll remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. Let us pray. Father, this is an ancient story that many of us here may say, that's just a crazy fable. What does it have to do with me? And yet, God, because it's in your word and it's true and it's living, it is for each one of us. So, God, I I, I plead with you in the name of Jesus that you would come and speak clearly through a broken sinner like me. That, God, that you would actually, this morning, give us ears to hear the voice of your Son, Jesus. That you would give us minds to understand of how this this story, this ancient story, intersects our lives and reveals our need of Jesus and allows us to freely love and live for you. It's an amazing story. And, God, would you come in such power to our hearts the stony and sinful parts of our hearts, and would you break them and allow us to to receive this word from you? God, would you shine into the darkness of disbelief for anyone who just doesn't believe in you and what you could do for us in Christ Jesus, that God, today, you would lovingly, clearly shine in each one of our hearts. God, would you come and be with us in such an amazingly clear way that all of us can walk out of here in newness of life, that we could walk in obedience to you and joy for you to live our lives in your light for your glory. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are true, that contain the good news of Jesus, use those things to make us more like your son, our savior. We pray in his matchless name, amen. All right, the first thing we got to see is this, is that God remembered Noah. And it says that God remembered Noah. When it comes to God remembering Noah, it's not like that time that you have something on the stove. You say, oh, oh yeah, I have a a pot on the stove. I I can't forget about that uh, because something bad might happen if I forget that I have a pot on the stove. God is not doing God things where all of a sudden he forgets, oh, oh yeah, Noah, oh yeah, the animals, uh, oh yeah, they're, they're out there in the floodwaters. I got to remember them. I can't forget them. That's not what he says when he's talking about God remembers as if he is forgetting. 
It's something where he says, I'm remembering Noah. It's much more like, listen, like a marriage relationship. It's a marriage relationship that he has bound himself to with Noah, that he will always remember Noah as we are always to remember our spouse. Here's the reality for us. If there's ever a situation that comes into our lives as married men and women that would call us to compromise the vows that we have made to one another, the the obligation that we have before God, that we will be uh, faithful, that we will be loving, that if anything comes into our lives, that we should remember, oh yeah, I've made vows to another. I am committed to that person and I am bound to them. So the remembering is the remembering of the vows that God has bound himself to us. That's the way God remembers Noah. He'll never forget him. He's given him his word. See, we gotta see a few things with this. Such good news. God is faithfully committed to his people. God is faithfully committed to his people. He cannot and will not ever forget his people. He's bound himself to us in this covenant relationship, this oath. If we look at Genesis 6, 18 and 19, it's when God has come to know and entered into what we call this, this contract, this covenant relationship. And it's all by God's grace. He always initiates with sinners like us. It's so gracious. And in Genesis 6, 18 and 19, he says this to, to uh, Noah, I'm going to keep you alive. Your life is mine. I'm going to preserve you. And through you, I'm going to preserve my promises in my plan. What a gracious God that he'll never forget his people. You know, the amazing thing about chapter 821, after that little uh, uh, sacrifice that, that um, Noah gives to the Lord, it says this about us. And man and women's hearts were still since birth always evil. Here's the good news. We forget God. Here's the good news. We can live like he doesn't exist. Here's the amazing news that we can sometimes uh, go out and pursue other false gods and, and, and turn our back to him. And he tells us that your heart from birth is evil but I've bound myself to you and it's not about your grip on me that ultimately matters. Here's what God says. It's my grip on you that matters and I will never forget you. God is fully committed to his people. We gotta remember that God remembers us in our troubles. It says God, I love the fact, in the ark, God is committed and remembers Noah. And here's the reality, my brothers and sisters, there will be times in your life when the floodwaters will rush in that you will ask the question, does God remember me? Yes, in Christ Jesus. You see, what Jesus is, is the ultimate ark for us, that by God's grace, we enter into Jesus through faith, that we can now ride above all of the floodwaters of God's wrath, all the floodwaters of this world. Here's what it means. In Christ Jesus, you're always safe. In Christ Jesus, you're never alone. In Christ Jesus, you're never really in peril. You might lose your life, but God says that not even death separates us from the love of Christ. God says not even demons separate us from the love of Christ. God says not even our own sinfulness can ultimately separate us from the love of Christ where the relationship is broken, severed completely. Here's the reality. God 
never forgets his people, ever. Circumstances may say God left the building. Circumstances may want us to cry out like the psalmist and say, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? No matter what you're going through today, no matter what storms and floodwaters are coming your way, if you are in Christ Jesus, God is committed to you and he will never forget you because God is faithfully committed to his people. But there's more. God is faithfully committed to his promise. I mean, he, he made a promise he's going to keep way back in Genesis 3.15 that God will provide a seed and the seed that will come will make all things new. What an amazing promise that is. That the seed that would come that would trample over death and all of God's and our enemies. The seed that would come that would unite us again to God and that one day would open up promise paradise. God is faithfully committed to his promise. The promise of that seed And God wants us to know that, so he hangs up his bow and says, hey, I'll never again send a deluge to wipe you out. I'm committed to that. Not only is God faithfully committed to his people and his promise, God is faithfully committed to his plan. I love it. Do you know that God's plan never changes? God doesn't change. God's plan was, is, and forever will be, and it will come to fruition. You ready for this? For the whole earth to be filled with his glory. That's why he created it. I mean, his plan has never changed. It didn't change with Adam. And now you see it's amazingly similar with Noah, is it not? Uh, He basically says, here's what I'm going to do, Noah. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so you can multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth with your offspring, that godly seed for the glory of God. We see the conditions have changed from Adam. It's no longer safe. The animals are no longer safe. Now now that we're in enmity with them, the whole world is, is still broken. But the image has not been lost. God is faithful to his plan. And why? Because God is faithful to his plan, not only will he not forget Noah, he'll always remember him. Ready for this? God blesses Noah. In chapter 9, verse 1, God bless Noah. You see, here's the reality. Those whom God remembers, God blesses. Those whom are in a relationship with him, By his grace and through faith, that covenant relationship, he always blesses. But the question we need to know, this is so important. What does it really mean that God blesses us? When God blesses Noah, what does that really mean and what does it look like? You see, God blesses Noah so Noah could live as God intended for Noah to live in harmony with him. But it's more than that. God always blesses us. Listen, God always blesses us so that we could be a conduit of God's blessings. God never blesses us so that we could just be big, fat, and filled with God's blessing all to ourselves. If you read through scripture, it's clear. He says, I'm going to bless you, Adam, so you can be a blessing to all the earth. I'm going to bless you, Noah, so you can be a blessing to all the earth. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to all the earth. Nation of Israel, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to all the earth. Jesus, I'm going to pour out blessing on you like I never have. Why? So that you can fill the earth with my glory. Here's the reality. God wants to bless you so that you're a conduit of God's blessing for his glory. It's always been that way. Never has God wanted us to ask for a blessing for our own personal gain or comfort. Never was it for our own purposes. Never. It's always for God's glory. It it certainly will give us blessing. It's a way to live. But the ultimate blessings of God are for the advancement of his name, his kingdom, his glory. 
How often have you heard the phrase or seen the bumper sticker, God bless America? Certainly all of us here would probably want to say, well, God bless America. Do you know what we're really saying when we ask God to bless America? By the way, this is a little bit of a preview. I'm going to preach on this next week. It's our Memorial Day service. If you love Jesus and you're not at the beach, you're going to be here, right? All right. But when we say God bless America, really what we're saying is God align us to your will for your glory, not like we're the chosen nation, but basically cause us to be a blessing for others, for your glory. How is it with you? Who are you asking God to bless? Is it really for you or is it for him? You see, God blesses Noah to get him right back on track for God's plan, for God's glory. That's always why God blesses us. He remembers us. He blesses us. And thirdly, God makes peace with Noah. And oh, how he makes peace with him. Back in the good old days, kids got spanked for doing things wrong. Did you get spanked? Those of you who behave now probably did. (laughs) I'm just kidding. What did your parents use? What was the... the disciplining tool of choice. I hope it was something not barbaric. Certainly disciplining has gotten out of hand at times. If ever there's abuse, it's always wrong. But for our kids, it was a rice paddle. The rice paddle was a sign that, okay, things have been broken. You gotta, you're going to get a rice paddle. Um, it made a bigger sound than it did anything else. But what would it mean if, if my kids came in one day and the rice paddle was hanging up on the wall is a sign that it'll never be used again. And what if it was hanging up on a wall in a way that it says, if it ever comes down again, it'll be used on your parents, not on you. When God made peace with Noah, he did something amazingly. It's just so cool. He hung a bow up. You see, a bow was a warrior's tool. A bow was a sign that we're at war. And God hung a bow up. And, you know, it's become the rainbow, and the rainbow has become a cool thing for a lot of different people, and it means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But the reality of what God was doing is this. He's saying, I'm going to hang up the instrument of my wrath. I'm going to hang it up in the clouds, and I'll never use it again in this way, ever. And it's supposed to be a sign. And it's crazy because God says it's going to be a sign for you and it's going to be a sign for me. It talks more about him seeing it than it does us. And so we got to ask ourselves, what does it really mean that God took up that, that instrument? He took up the rice paddle. He took up that, that instrument, that bow of wrath, and he hung it up. What does it mean to, to Noah and to us, and what does it mean to him? It means this. It means for Noah that Noah and man can now enjoy a rainstorm without freaking out. Let me unpack that for a minute. I awoke last night to the sound of thunder. How far off, I sat and wondered. (laughs) Sorry, those of you who laugh are Bob Seger fans, and I appreciate that. But I did. I woke last night to the sound of thunder, and it wasn't how how far off I wondered, but the reality was this, is I don't like thunderstorms at night because they drive my dog, Abby, nuts. Abby goes crazy during thunderstorms. She loses it. You can't control this dog, right? Her favorite spot in the, uh, um, in the thunderstorm is in Katie's closet. And if she gets in there, oh my goodness, it looks like a whirlwind. Look at the storm was right there. I want to say, relax. Do you know what it's like to have a dog going crazy by the side of your bed at four in the morning? 
You're just begging for a tranquilizer gun. Just give me something. <laughs> if there wasn't a rainbow, if there wasn't a bow, can you imagine the way Noah would feel when it started to rain the next time? Did you enjoy a good little rainstorm? Isn't there something cozy about rain? Isn't there something nice about a little rainstorm? Think, ah, this is cozy. It feels good. Why? Because there's a bow in the clouds that said God's not going to wipe out the earth again. And if that wasn't a reality, what did it mean to Noah? He would never be able to enjoy a nice little rainstorm without being freaked out. Because you would think, here it comes again. An amazing thing about God is when, when Noah and we are able to look at the bow, uh, the rainbow in the sky, we're able to say, listen, listen to this, that we know that we're broken. We know that we're sinful. And we could say, yes, since youth, we still are a mess. But God is for us and he's not going to just wipe us out. And he, he says this, I want you to enjoy now the seasons. I, I'm going to bring some stability to the earth. There's going to be winter and fall and, and, and there's going to be summer. And you know, you know how you feel on summer vacation? Are you getting excited about it? You know the feeling that comes around Christmas time? You just know that joy? You know how silly it is, but spring is eternal in the fall. Uh, the uh, Spring for me, now I'm blowing this line, in baseball. Hope springs eternal, that's it. Every spring training, hope springs eternal because maybe the Cubs will win it this year. I love baseball. I don't know why. It's, maybe it's the beauty, the symmetry, the pace. But when baseball season comes around, I get excited. And I think it has nothing to do with baseball. I think it has everything to do with seasons and God's goodness. And that in the midst of my broken life, in the midst of all the things I can't get right, God provides stability and he provides hope and he's not gonna give up on us. I mean, what a sign that was to Noah that I'm gonna make peace with you. But it was also a sign to God. And listen, it's even a greater sign to God. It's amazing. Do you know what direction the bow was pointing? I mean, it's a bow and arrow. And here's the amazing beauty of what God says. He says, I know you're still sinful, I am so gracious. He says this, I would rather do harm to myself. I will harm myself before I break my word. I'm gonna bring peace to you. I'm gonna bring peace to you. It's gonna be a sign that I'm not gonna give up on you. And I gotta change or I gotta harm myself before that peace will end. God says, I'm gonna see it and I'm gonna remember. And that beautiful bow that's pointed to him. And what it say to God that God can enjoy us in the storms of life without completely destroying us? <laughs> it points to a cross. It really points to the cross. The cross is the ultimate sign, the ultimate seal of a God who makes peace with sinners like us. A God who initiates with us, who says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my, my own son your sin, and I'm going to burn my wrath against him. So I never have to burn it against you. I'm going to, I'm going to take my own right, son's righteousness. I'm going to graciously give it to you. And the cross is going to be the ultimate symbol that we have peace and joy and love with a God who is. That's such good news. That he's for us. He's not against us. And we will never be separated from him. He'll never forget. He can't forget about us. He died for us. He can't forget about us. He's paid for our sins. He can't. 
He's got to bless us. I mean, we have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. All that Jesus earns is the big brother who's good. All the blessings that Jesus deserves is the only begotten son. He shares with us. He couldn't bless us more. And oh, how he has made peace with us. You know, can you imagine if Noah, in those 150 days of some bad weather floods, decided to jump ship? Can you imagine if he got so stir-crazy and the stench of the animals got so bad that he just says, you know, I'm out of here. I'm just going to jump ship. I'm going to try to make it on my own. Let me see if I can float to God's blessing. Here's the point. God says, I'll never forget you. Get inside the ark of Christ Jesus. God says, I'll always bless you. Get inside of Christ Jesus and live for him. That God says, I will always provide peace for you. Get and live your life hidden in Christ Jesus. He's the ark. Don't jump ship. It's amazing we do all the time, don't we? Maybe there's greater blessings out there. I'll jump off. And he keeps bringing us back in. And, and, and all the scripture says, abide in me. Stay with me. I am your way, your truth, your life. I am the source of blessing and remembrance. Don't jump ship. Let me ask you in closing three questions. What situations are you riding through the floodwaters wondering if God has forgotten you? Is that where you are? Are you wondering, God, are you there? Is that Psalm 13, your, your cry? Good news. In Christ Jesus, he always remembers you. Your circumstances can change. He will not. What blessings are you asking God to provide for you right now? Are they really blessings for you or are they really blessings for him? Are you asking him to bless you to bring others glory? Or you just want to hang on to those? And lastly, are you living your life in peace that God has provided you in Christ Jesus? Are you living in turmoil? You see, your flesh and the enemy wants to tell you, jump ship. Jesus is not worth following or there's something else out there. The reality is, is God who is has brought you peace and he wants you to leave here knowing you're loved and not forgotten, knowing he's blessing you and knowing he'll never forget about you. And he wants you to live your life with peace. It's been done. You've been forgiven. Woohoo! set free. Live in peace in Christ Jesus. And God says, it's such a done deal that I'm going to harm myself, that bow in the sky, before I change my mind about you in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for <laughs> the amazing, amazing grace that you give to us. Thanks for remembering Noah. You had to because you bound yourself to him. You've given him your word that you'd keep him alive. And you've bound yourself to us as your people to keep us alive through all the floodwaters of this world. And that we know that we can rise above even the wrath of God in Christ Jesus, that ultimate ark. Father, thank you for remembering us. Give us the faith to remember that even when we see our circumstances around us darkening our view of you. God, thank you for blessing us. And would you please bless us in a way that we could be living for your glory 
in blessing others. Forgive us for how selfishly we want your blessings for our glory and our comfort. And God, thank you for the peace that lives, that amazingly you hung up your bow. And we know that that's so true because we have something even greater, the cross. And to know that we have peace with you. Father, for the, anyone here that's tempted to jump ship, <laughs> God, lovingly, graciously, keep them in Christ Jesus. And Father, for anybody here that's trying to tread the waters of this crazy world without you, by your grace, bring them into the ark through your grace and faith in Christ Jesus where we will be safe in all of the storms. We pray this for your glory. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.